We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. episode 340 of the Win in 6 podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep podcast network on Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing on this fine day? Good. <laughs> are you ready? We'll, we're going to talk about the, the discourse of the day, right? The book's discourse of the day. Kalajakis. There we go. <laughs> okay, what we are going to talk about is how to pronounce Yorgi's name. Yes, um, we're gonna we're gonna start with the news, which is that Yorgos Kalajakis has been signed, like for real signed, big boy signed to the books roster. Uh, maybe not just for this season or the season after that, but the one after that. It's not quite in you know LeBron to the heat territory of how many rings they're going to get. But three-year deal um, using the teeniest, tiniest part of the taxpayer middle-level exception just to allow them to go beyond the two years they would have been limited to otherwise. And yes, Joros Kalachakis, as the original reporting from Europe had suggested, is a Milwaukee book and a Milwaukee book proper. So we'll get into all of that. We'll also talk about Yorgos's performance against the Nets, as well as the summer league play of our good friend Sandman, Jordan Wara, who's, you know, Olympic summer league. It all looks the same to him. Um, Mamadi Diakite, and I guess a few others who may have caught the eye for good or bad reasons. 
We've got mailbag questions, and we'll go through all of those for you as well. So, Jordan, this news was surprising, but I think maybe part of that at least was down to that we, and I feel like most people, didn't actually have the rules, the CBA rules down on this, because yep. we'd been penciling Yorgos in as, this is going to be the second two-way guy, right? And it turns out the books did not have that option. And it's probably a good place to start because I'm sure there's a lot of people being like, why did they do that with him as opposed to Sandro? What, what's gone into the decision-making process? And it's really down to the buyout they agreed with uh, Panathinaikos to get him over. And the value of the buyout then means that he's not eligible for a two-way contract. So to bring him over now and whether that's because they wanted him now or they wanted him and that's what his agents wanted they're left in no other real choice but to give him a real contract a real roster spot so what was your what was your reaction to the news jordan um certainly surprising uh just because i mean the endless shuffling of deck chairs when it comes to the bottom end of the Bucks roster is always kind of what's going on. What's, how does this, you know, come about? Um, but I don't think it was as, I, I think some of the air for me at least was taken out when your hoops had that report, what a day after the draft, not even a full day after the draft that he was coming over. It was like, Oh, well, this is going to happen there. It's not a draft and stash anymore. Um, and like you said, I think a lot of it just came down to, we were penciling him in as a two way guy and, Turns out that you cannot do that after you do a buyout. That would make sense why, um, granted, there were other circumstances why we wanted to see the Bucks cut the person that they cut to get Eliza Bryant. Um, but we saw with like Mike James, that's why they did a 10-day contract rather than have him come on as a two-way player because that was also a buyout in some fashion even without knowing the full specific of the details. So... Yeah, with knowing that, it's like, oh, well, if you're not, if you get him on a two way roster spot, and same goes for Exhibit 10 deals, which, I mean, if they had drafted him to sign him to Exhibit 10 deal, like that seems like a terrible use of resources in itself, too. Um, well, you could have gone that route and been like, okay, you're our favorite kind of at this point we think you're going to make the roster but we're going to keep our options open i i know it's like to me the asset is spent and whether the 68 overall pick is an asset as opposed to someone going undrafted and signing exhibit 10 is definitely up for debate but they use the draft pick specifically for a reason and then they use part of the tpmle for a reason so so that's speaking to whatever the books are seeing here and just how much they, they really wanted to to get Yorgos locked down and for multiple years to give themselves the option. It doesn't mean that this isn't a... I mean, it doesn't even mean he'll see through the year. He could, he could be gone if they don't see anything and there's a roster spot that needs to be opened. Or if he gets hurt. Or if he gets hurt. Um, she took a really bad fall. In I was going to say, did I, was it... No, was I didn't. I didn't on that? If if there was, I didn't see anything after the fact. But that was like not ideal for first summer league game, and also for just a couple of hours after signing your contract. 
but that was how his his summer league debut ended. It's a pretty solid summer league debut. We'll get into it, but it ended with him taking a, a hard fall on his hip, looking quite a lot of discomfort and leaving the game. But yeah, there's there's something here that's interesting. I mean, going back to conversations, I don't know if we've really talked about Yorgos yet. Really, I think I, I definitely talked about it briefly. Um, with Lucas in the episode after the draft, I think the mailbag that Ty and I did, we talked a little bit about it too, and I've I've just been a little bit more open to all of this because I don't know anything about him, and I know that's the reason why a lot of people are not open to it at all, but whatever turns out of this the books the books know something right now you know they they have gone through a process that has led them to this decision they have obviously scouted him for quite some time they've they feel like there's something here and there's something here that they at least want to have a look at in the same way that they've had a look at other development players the likes of which we're still seeing some of them on the summer league roster and the likes of which ultimately may make way when this roster is finalized in part because someone like yours comes in like, with this deal being signed and everything, he is just a traditional draft pick. And people are kind of... Some people have been annoyed about this, but it's he's a draft pick. Like, he's 22, he's pretty young, he's not super young, but as a guy coming out of a draft goes, it's, it's not on the extreme end of the scale. He's not, for example, Sam Merrill, which is an obvious example there. He'll only be Sam Merrill's age if he sees through his full contract with the books, which... I mean, just as a kind of, okay, we've got rid of Merrill and we've brought in someone we think could be a real contributor in Grayson Allen, I guess that gives them a little bit more freedom to take a swing and be like, okay, well then, who's replacing that spot as kind of the drafted guy, someone we can develop over a number of years and hope we find something? That seems to be the top process here. And I know a lot's been made of, he hasn't put up numbers. A lot has been made of this on this podcast network. Um... Ty and I, I think, are in disagreement on this, and it's all—it's good for content. You know, we'll be in disagreement probably for a lot of the season until we eventually really get a sense of what he is and start to see what he turns out as. I'm not... That's not just a deal-breaker for me, because Panathinaikos are a really, really good team where most NBA fans could go and look at their roster and be like, okay, there's a lot of familiar names here. You're talking about one of the two powerhouse teams in Greek, the two powerhouse franchises. I mean, even going beyond the basketball, going to, to football or soccer for most of you listening, like they are very recon- recognizable names. This is the Greek equivalent of being like a guy has been log- logging two or three minutes, not really breaking through to play for a Barcelona or Real Madrid. Yep. Like th- that is kind of what I'd approximate this to. And I feel like there have been prospects and there will continue to be where that's their path and people more easily get excited about it. I don't know why this is necessarily different. You know, European pro basketball is very different from the NBA, in part because you don't have a draft system, so there's no incentive to take your time developing to, I guess, lose? (laughs) Or anything that you could see with teams who are, are rebuilding, where you're like, okay, we're all in on this. So it's all... It's all moves to get over the line to win now to bring money in and if you're someone who's just not good enough to start in a team with high expectations like that you're not going to play it doesn't mean that you're not capable of being good 
And that's one of the key differences, I guess, between European club basketball and the NBA. And it could be something that we're seeing here, which is the books are like, this is someone that with, you know, time, effort, the right kind of work, the right kind of development could be a really good role player for us. I'm curious. That's really the best way I can put it. Like, this may be a terrible uh, use of their the limited means at their disposal, and even more of that, of a roster spot. But I can't say I know that just yet. Like, it made me very interested to sit down and watch this Summer League game, and I'm even more intrigued to continue watching as things go on. I would agree with you. I'm in the same boat. I think a lot has been made of, like you said, he hasn't played much for Greece. The most minutes that he's that he's made or Panathinaikos. 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 Tanaikos. Tanaikos. Tonight show. Um the most minutes he's played professionally has come on loan in Lithuania. Um that's where a lot of his I guess, you know uh non-international play, more club play. Um, so yeah, essentially you're blocked from really, you know, carving out a role, even though he's played, you know, stamp minutes here and there, whether it's for Greece's league or, you know, your league minutes too. So like, I, I just kind of view it as a way of, well, if he's already blocked and we could, you know, quibble about like what he's shown under those minutes, um, but they're not all that worth of value. And there is some interesting stuff that he's done, whether playing for the Greece um, under 20 teams. I know he showed out in the most recent tournament a couple years ago when he's played for them. Um, I, I just, I kind of view it as a way of like, well, he, his role is not there for uh, in Greece. And if you're invested in they've made this draft pick. Yes, there are agent connections between Giannis' agent and uh, Yorgi. <laughs> um but if there's a way to get around that where you bring him in, you can actually develop him, playing him with the herd, having him more having having more of a consistent role, do all that kind of stuff. Like that makes more sense than just having him, you know, wash away and in Europe and you don't know you have no control over what kind of role he has. I mean, we haven't seen the Bucks really wade into those waters a lot uh in recent years. When they but should when they have. have, and we we've said it, like particularly, yeah. you get in this kind of roster crunch. This is the creative way: is to look around and be like, okay, who are the international players we can we can get to come here who are good and can play a role, but are just kind of, they're just there waiting to be picked up. Now this isn't because you have you have the buyout here. It's not like this is a free agent and the the pad is a little bit more challenging, but. It's something that they have left underexplored in recent years when they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. And, I mean, when we can think of the examples of, you know, international guys that they have drafted, whether it's Giannis, Ersan, Damian Inglés, like, these guys have come over and they wanted to keep bringing them in and, then, you know, wanted to develop them that way. Whereas, you know, we can say... Like the next, they what is his name? Uh, Rokas Jakob. Uh, I I can't remember. It this yeah. is an, a classic example though of a guy playing for Barcelona. Yeah. In a very or Balmero, uh a draft class before too. Like Correct. these, the top international prospects, but you know, 
when you leave them there and you don't have control over the role, you don't have, it's not even just role or playing time. It's, it's, you know, nutrition habits and stuff like that. We can easily gloss over and be like, Oh, they got that cover kind of thing. It's like, well, you don't with, know that. Like with Yorgos in particular, there's no reason to think if, if they like him and they're drafting him, they have no reason to think that by leaving him there, he's going to play more than a handful of minutes per game next. Exactly. Season. When that's already proven to the point, to the point where he has it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it certainly affected the fact that he, you know, uh, not enrolled, but he declared for the draft a couple of times before this year with Drew. And part of that comes down to, well, is there enough people that really have buzz on him? Or Do you know what else he, it might have come down to? If, if Rick Pitino was my coach, I'd be trying to get out too. Good point. I forgot. About, I forgot about the Patino man. Um, um, you know, maybe there's some traits that the books need to, you know, work on. Make sure, you know. Yeah. Uh, but let's see. Was his coach for the vast majority of his career so far? His pro career has been Rick Patino. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think from that perspective, I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot of hand wringing about again a guy that we haven't seen play outside of one summer league game and. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying that uh, he's going to be a proven winner. He was the 60th pick in this year's draft. We saw what that was with Sam Merrill. Granted, the age differences and development curves are very different, but there is something there in terms of tools that Yorgi has, and he has some interesting. I love how committed you are to Yorgi. I... Well, I, well, I just don't want to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to this is we are of all places you know a books podcast you've got to commit to the names you know you have to in Your part because I had, in part because i knew i was like oh just not assuming that he was coming over until I did, well yeah. now he's here yeah <laughs> he's here and he's spectacular um but yeah i, I think there's just I, I don't know i just think there's a lot of hand wringing for something that doesn't need a lot of hand wringing, and this is what people do when it comes down to the 13th, 14th, 15th kind of guy. Yeah, and I think part of this also comes to this fills up the roster, but it doesn't have to fill up the roster, and realistically it doesn't. But at this point, that's something that people look at and are like, is this really what they've decided to do? Is this it? Is this how they're going to do it? And I, I don't think it's it, although it does remain to be seen whether we just have one more move that I think we would all expect or whether there's two, which I do think they kind of need. And the reality is this decision forces them into some different ones and some tougher decisions um, when it comes to Elijah Bryant and when it comes to Mamadi Diakite. I, like, I think both of those guys are really in danger now of losing their roster spot. But if that's what the books decide, it's kind of like, okay. Like, I... I I like Elijah Bryant a lot more as a player than I do Diakite, but if they've had him for a few months, they've had a look at him, and they're like, you know, we don't need to do this. And maybe part of that is when they brought him in, they didn't have George Hill and Grayson Allen, for example. So the roster, the needs on the roster, and just the dynamics of the team have changed. If they decide to move on, it's like, yeah, I guess so. They've they've got to look at him up close. They may have just got what they needed, as in he was just there in case of emergency. Diakite is slightly different, but it is also, you know, if the books decide to move on from Diakite and look at another prospect, they're doing that after having had 
a year plus of assessing the Akita day to day. And that's something that we we just can't have a clear read on. We don't have that level of knowledge on on these players. And it's it's even it's particularly different to when we're talking about someone who's actually playing rotation minutes and we're seeing play 82 games where at least we have that level of access to it. But with developmental guys who aren't playing, like more than anything, it's about what they're doing in practice and what they're doing in shoot around and what they're doing behind the scenes. And we just don't have that. So, I mean, there, the other parts of it too, like we've, we've been down the road of agent connections before um, in very different ways and in ways I was less comfortable with for the books. If the books are going to take flyers on young Greek prospects every few years because Giannis is here, I'm fine with that. You know, you might actually land one who's a really capable player at some point. Whether Yorgos is it or not, don't know. But taking that chance, I'm kind of just, that's fine. Like, to me, he is he is a draft pick and he's a player that, having seen him play, not... Not for very long, not against the best caliber of opposition. But there are some things where it's like, oh, okay, well, I get he can do this, um, which we'll get into in a second. But there are things that are identifiably like there with his game and things that actually the books don't have to in a player of that type. And then there are also things that were very obviously they're just not there at all. And yeah. that, that's a that's a different issue, too. But bringing a guy like that in, I thought one of the things, too, that was very obvious is how enthusiastic and eager he was. Like, it, like every time they, they got out in transition, he was, like, screaming at someone to give him the ball. He brought the energy. He brought intensity defensively. I don't know yet, really, if he's a good defender or not. Um, I think he's engaged, though. Whether, yeah. th- whether this is just, you know, first opportunity and it's all there or it's going to be a game-to-game, summer league, regular season, whatever it might be, that all remains to be seen. But on a first glance, I was like, okay, well, if a lot of this stuff holds up, honestly, it's it's not far from the kind of attitude we have seen from the books other players who have come across from Greece being Giannis and Tanasis. You know, that kind of intensity, that kind of hunger and desire and just, you know, I'm in the game, I'm going to play every possession. So, I'm fine with this as a flyer. This is at the point of the offseason where it's not like... It's not like I don't care, but I just think the stakes are significantly lower. And to me, the big hole left on the roster is in the front court, and I, I would say even more specifically, it's kind of like a center. Depending, if you view Bobby as a four and you really want to keep playing Bobby as a four more as you get to the postseason well, then you need a five. Um, even someone who could play both spots as just more depth would be useful because things are looking kind of tough with the Akide right now, and I have very little confidence in him kind of being up a spot in the rotation, you know, being up a spot at the depth chart even is a better way of putting it where it's like he's closer to playing minutes if anyone at those kind of positions goes down. I he's just not like in terms of ability he isn't so that's a problem if on paper that's how they're assessing it and i think that's the one thing they'll have to weigh up but i don't think yorgos has to be the thing that you know 
oh, well, they did that, so they can't do that, and he's the problem. It, it doesn't work like that. It will be other decisions they've made up until now, and it will be decisions they still have to make that could leave a couple of gaps in terms of depth, but it remains to be seen. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Will we get into some of the summer league? I mean, we could continue with, with Yorgos. Um, I mean, first, just how are you feeling to be watching summer league basketball again? Um, it's a new world. It, Things are different now. It, um, they are. See, even you can't fake this in the same way that you used to. Not yeah. to suggest that you've been disingenuous with your summer league enthusiasm. And other no, years. a lot has changed since... The world's changed. The world has changed. The Bucks are now champions. Uh, that did not happen the last time the Bucks played summer league. Um, I thought you meant more, you know, the pandemic when you said the world had changed. But the two. Oh, they, are yeah, that's right. Two. I forgot about a pandemic. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, it's it's exactly what it is every year, and everybody for some reason everybody gets more fired up about it than what it should be. I don't, I have like the, a summer league optimist, and I say this as someone who's watched almost every herd game of existence, and it's, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't understand the expectations built by people for it. Just enjoy it for what it is rather than kind of making it bigger than what it should be. There's a big difference between the G League and summer league, though. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I'm just saying the overall, like, 
Oh, like, granted, I did. <laughs> I say this as fired off like Jordan Warren. You're tweets the guilty about... party, right? I know. I am. I'm a contradiction. It's like, who are you talking about here? You're talking about yourself, Jordan. You're talking about yourself. Talking about my left brain versus right brain. Um, Two Face, Harvey Dent. The first game was not as tough as I felt usual to watch. It wasn't good, don't get me wrong. But the second game was <laughs> was ugly. The next game was definitely, definitely worse of the two. And you're like, wow, Summer League really is its own thing. But it it doesn't mean it's it's really the focus goes to which is not unusual. You're just you're looking to inju- individual players, and it's when they get into the game that you can get excited. And you're you're really just kind of narrowing in on what a select number of guys can do. And with that in mind, that's what we will do now. So let's go back to to Joris Kalajikas. I was encouraged. Not ideal, like we talked about his summer league generally just isn't ideal for anyone, but he, he really didn't have ideal preparations for this. Finds himself then right in the mix, he's in the game. And I thought more than anything he was steady, which is kind of a big deal. That's at something in summer, summer league. league. Yeah. Yes. Like I, I do think at the end he had four turnovers, but I think if we were to go through them one by one, it's not it's not quite as bad as it sounds. A lot of them, one of them was that pass that Sandman made that went through his hands. Two of them were which like was bad a really pass. Bad pass, which is one yeah. of the only Sandman bad passes. A lot of, a lot of. I mean, this wasn't just contained to your, uh, Yorgi, but uh, it was a lot of like mis, you know, misplaying handles. Like Jordan Mora had a lot of turnovers yesterday, and it was just like, oh, he just lost his dribble, or you know. And granted, they're playing one o'clock in the mo- in the afternoon versus having a game at like what ten not ten o'clock but like six o'clock no matter time. So it was like <laughs> it just had a very feel of maddening basketball, but combined with players that are fighting for jobs, not just in the NBA or the G League, but you know across the world and just trying to get contracts that way. So yeah, it was just a lot of uh, some mess that you had to get through. Yeah. I, and I mean, the thing for for Yorgos, your when you're watching that game and one of his his first games, like his his first games, but one of our first looks at him, as I think I mentioned on the Lucas um, pod, there is like a two-hour YouTube video out there for people who've been like, you know, just crunching that Kalachikas uh, tape since he was drafted. I have not been one of them. The footage out there is not for many reasons it's just not easy to watch so actually getting to see him was fun and he's weird (laughs) he's another weird player they've added and i think you and i are always in favor of weird players particularly when you get to a certain point on the roster you can get more interesting skills i think by kind of being a little bit bolder with your approach and looking at some more kind of unique or individualistic tendencies in in prospects and he's kind of like i don't know a playmaking wing who's not not an exceptional passer is clearly terrified of shooting does not want to shoot from beyond the arc like passed up a couple of shots like just stood there stopped and was like 
oh god, what will I do? And then just passed it away. That's something that's got to change. You got to take those shots if you're that open. But a really interesting driver, like attacking the rim. He's he's got something going for him. He's got a good kind of. It feels like feel for the game in those situations. He knows when to attack. He's very good at drawing contact. I felt legitimate contact too. Jordan Moore had a couple of moments in the Nets game where I was like, did he miss the memo on the rule change while he was at the Olympics? Is, is that actually possible? Because he yeah. was trying to draw some of those Harden-esque fouls. It's like, yeah, that's not a thing anymore, Jordan. Um, but I I was quite encouraged by Coach Akis' ability to get to the line. I mean, did he leave the whole game in free throws? Yeah, he did. Um, he was 6 or 7. No, he didn't. Enoch got eight, sorry. He was second only to Enoch. He was six or seven from the line. Free throws mostly, like, they weren't touching rims, so the, the free throw shooting stroke looks good, which is always an encouraging thing for someone that you're like, well, can they be a shooter? Are they a shooter? Clearly, he does not want to be right now, but I was pretty encouraged by how the free throws looked. And, yeah, it was just... It doesn't feel like that's a kind of player and a role player that the books have, which is someone who can attack the basket to get points. And I also think that's maybe been something that's hurt them over the past couple of years when they've tried to bring in shooters. It's because if Giannis wasn't on the floor, and particularly post-Bledsoe, you don't have a lot of guys looking to drive that you're then going to have the opportunity to kick out or open the floor up. Which is kind of interesting, because it feels like something that uh, Mamu Kalashvili also... Like, that's another key part of yep. his game is he can put the ball on the floor and go and he will look to kick out. So that feels like a commonality between the two guys the books drafted. Did you pick up on that too? Or have you any kind of oh, feeling on that? Absolutely. I think their best... I think, weirdly enough, all of Sandman, Yorgi, uh, and Wara, they... I mean, we've seen a lot of war on the ball and stuff like that. I think that's the best way to unlock their game or where they're most comfortable, uh, clearly. Um, and whether that's conscious decision to, you know, obviously it's not just a matter of reps, but it's more of getting the full use out of Sandman and Yorgi in, in particular, just because, you know, you're bringing them into the fold. You don't, there's still very, you know, there's, stuff that appeals, but it's more of like, how do you kind of get the best out of both? Because if you've already, I mean, there was times yesterday where it's like when they have shared the floor, they're very comfortable in the same spots mm-hmm. where it's, you know, kind of side of the floor, clear out, put them in kind of one-on-one situations. And they're very different players, obviously, in terms of, body size and tools and, you know, even just ball skills too. But I thought that was kind of interesting that there's kind of, I don't know, more conscious effort of trying to get more, you know, uh, slashers, ball drivers, all that kind of stuff to kind of, you know, really attack the paint. The stuff that was key to the Bucks' success during the playoffs in the title run. Um, So, yeah, maybe there was kind of the conscious effort to, look at players like that and kind of fill out their game that way. Um, take it back in old school to the Jason Kidd days, but uh, we'll see. Okay, um, not touching that one at the moment. But 
the other thing with Yorgos, um, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm not sure yet what his defense is. But what I did see is a couple of possessions where I thought, oh, he's, he can actually stay in front of his guy. Like, he's he seems relatively fast laterally. He's obviously not the biggest or strongest, but he just seems to kind of have enough. Like, he's got some length. He's got a little bit of strength. He's got a bit of quickness where he was kind of spelling out, oh, you know, potentially switchy defender, not in the way that Horst was building up. Um, Mamukoshvili to be that I don't know if I see that quite as much although I've been a little bit more encouraged by his defense than I thought I would be Um, but with Yorgos I could kind of see that and I was like oh well that's that's something again that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on like whether it's quicker wings you want to attack him off the dribble or if it's smaller guards how does he handle that can he stay in front of those guys and compete if the answer is yes well then instantly that's going to get him a chance to play, you know, it may, a lot of it may come in Oshkosh with the herd anyway. But if he can defend, he could stay in front of guys, he will get chances to develop the rest of his game and to round out his skill set. And I think we've seen that, like, with a number of books or old players in recent years. The problem is if you can't defend, it's like you can't get on the floor, you're not going to get the chances to round out the rest of your game. If you could defend, you know, slightly better spot. So, uh, we only saw 19 minutes. His game came to an end a little prematurely. Maybe he could have been the hero um, for the books in crunch time if he hadn't come out. I had a gif queued up for someone else. I had um, Mr. Sandman send us a dream. Isn't that the the song? Is that the lyric? Yes, it is. Um, Or send me a dream. Send me a dream. Well, uh, us was just me adjusting it, speaking for all books fans. (laughs) And Sadio Mamoukelashvili didn't quite come up with that, but has had two pretty solid games again, and maybe a little bit more than that, like the Clippers game. He broke out some pretty wild stuff, the kind of stuff that I know you and I in particular were hoping for, Jordan. This is when they made this pick. We were like, okay, if this is what you're doing, let's let's full-on get weird. You know, capital W weird. And he lived up to that building with a couple of just, like, exceptional passes. Like, one, great reads, but two, the execution, and just, like, these kind of, like, whipped passes to the corner. Like, he doesn't just spot it and be like, oh, yeah, the pass is going there. There's a bit of there's a bit of panache on all of these passes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, he wants to make sure you notice the great passes, <laughs> is, is maybe the way I'd put it. And I don't have a problem with that. I think there was a few more of those passes that didn't quite go to plan that went awry in the Nets game. But overall, I would say passing has lived up to billing through our first two Summer League games with Manu Kalashvili. I think you're burying the lead here. Go on. He head-butted a ball after dunking. That's um, that's an old favorite of someone the books lost this summer, too. Um, in a different way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. PJ Tucker. It's one yeah. of my Take my lasting me. memories of PJ Tucker. Um, in in the final minutes of closing out the championship, right? That game. I can't. He I, definitely got the board. Or there I'm was a foul. Sure it was game. Yeah. It was game six. Yeah. And he just started, you know, smashing the basketball against his head. Just, <laughs> just like, all right, cool. We're doing it. So, Whatever works for you, PJ, we're, we're ready to go to war on this. Um, so that's not something I'm opposed to. 
I don't know if it's good for people's brains. I'm not encouraging it either. You know, disclaimer, I'm not saying we should all headbutt basketballs. But what have you thought? Our question with with Sandman has been, what is he? What is his position? I flagged this up as what I was most interested in watching from the books in Summer League is just trying to figure out what is he and what do they see him as? Are you, Jordan Tresky, any closer to answering that question? No. <laughs> Me neither. Um, but it's hard not to be impressed in terms of some of the things that he's he's shown. Granted, I, I mean, I'm not saying all you all when it comes to something, all you want to see is you don't want to see people that they have invested in with draft picks or maybe signed a two A deals, all that stuff. You just don't want to have them fall in their face. There's some examples that we'll surely Rashad get into. Vaughn. Rashad Vaughn is the like yeah. third year Rashad Vaughn. Eleven points away from being summer league all time all time summer league scorer, as Tim Ray pointed out the other day. I totally forgot about that. I didn't. I don't think I. I probably did know it at some point, but by year three, if you're one, if you're at summer league as a draft pick, it's not like you're trying to get back in the league. If you're doing your third summer league with the team that drafted you, things are not going great. But it's like if you're not standing out at that point, it's a problem. Yeah, I think Mamukil Shili had his moments of standing out, like and in his first couple of summer league games. So that's encouraging. This is what you want to see. It's like. You don't want to see the guys who just blend into the crowd at Summer League, where it's like, you don't want it to be if if an alien landed, Jordan, and you were to be like, tell me which of these people, you know? Tell me which of them are just scrapping for their life, trying to make it into this league, and which of them are, you know, already kind of pinpointed as, hey, you've got a chance. You want to be able to pick out the guys. And I think, I think Sandman has kind of fit into the right side of that category. He hasn't kind of got lost in the shuffle. He's looked like a real player or a prospect worth developing out there, which I think is, it is about as much as you can ask. I've been more impressed as I alluded to with his defense than I expected. I think better quickness than I thought. And maybe that is where John Horst's, you know, we see him as a switchable defender comes from because he's definitely going to have to rely on that. I, yeah, I think I am a little bit closer on this position than I was. And I'm just really struggling to imagine him being a center. Yeah. And I want him badly to be a center. Like, he's like my favorite dream center, if he could be a center. Don't think he's a center, though. Like, it, it's, it just feels like it's a long way off that. And even, not just in terms of bulk, maybe it's just because of the way he plays. He doesn't look as big as he is out on the court. Yeah. The... The comp that Frank Madden made on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this, but I actually quite liked it. I don't know if Bucks fans will generally agree with this, or maybe their memories of this player won't even be kind of meaningful enough to have any feeling. But he compared him to Charlotte Bobcats era, Josh McRoberts. And I won. Just like Hall of Fame weird player. You know, just like in a tier of absolute weirdness, he's right up there. So I love that. But also, he was a really good player. Like, around that time when, when Charlotte kind of started to come good again, um, he was really effective as this four who could kind of shoot, but not really, 
could definitely pass handle. was game for kind of yeah i'll come i'll handle it, i'll drive oh i'm defending the tree i'm defending the four i'm defending the five i'm gonna go and give effort and i'll probably hold my own better than i should do given it's not my strength and i kind of like that like if if he could become a version of that which is just he has what's basically his game but he he hones it to a level or he works on his body to a level where he's good enough and smart enough to stay on the floor playing that way in actual NBA games, that would be a big win for the books. Yeah, McRoberts averaged 8, 4, and 4 with the Bobcats during their... I uh, love it. They're yeah. just great numbers. Shot 36.1% from 3. It's little stuff like that where it's like, I, I definitely see the kind of um, McBobby. Um, That's also, though, to... to a different kind of player, but I just think in terms of, you know, you're filling out a roster and you're like, just this kind of guy, not in terms of ability. Yeah. Th- those kind of numbers and kind of projecting them, it's, it's really, it's a Pat Connaughton type. You know, you're being like, someone who can just do multiple things and come in and give you minutes, I think is, is what they would be hoping for. More of a tweener, and I think it's it's difficult to find a spot more difficult than it is to like Pat's not a shooting guard or a small forward. I think you get away at those positions and having play either much easier than you do when you're that bit bigger. But look, we'll we'll see as it goes on. Um, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm encouraged. On a two way contract, it's going to be a lot of fun for the people of Oshkosh, and. I he seems like a guy like he's putting out this tweet of he just wants to learn everything or it was his post game interview everything he can he'll be hanging on every word that Giannis Chris and Drew have to say he loves the franchise because they're a franchise that develops players like they're the kind of quotes that could just come from anyone but I, I actually really like them coming from him given he's on a two way deal and he is gonna have to fight for this in a slightly different way um. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of players picking their spot they were drafted at to be their jersey number. I think that can be some baggage to bring into an NBA career. Maybe he's someone who could turn that into a positive, though. Maybe maybe that's going to work for him, particularly he's on a two-way now. And if he does take that kind of attitude of, you know, this is a franchise where there are plenty of examples of guys who have kind of put in the work, being given the chance to develop, and then come good on the other side of it, maybe all that works out. But I think just as interesting as we'd hope he'd be is kind of the headline with him so far. Yep. Uh, we can only go to Jordan Wara next, I think, because Jordan Wara, you know, he he may just go and have himself like a summer league MVP kind of campaign here that will require some other books being on their game and not doing the usual thing they do, which is lose immediately once it gets into the tournament games. <laughs> um, but 30 points in the opener against the Clippers, 22 points against the Nets. As we already knew from the Olympics and from his brief moments with the books, he is not shy. He is not efficient. <laughs> that is certainly kind of amplified 10 times more in a, summer league setting where he is the guy and you're going to run everything through him and the opposing team's best defenders are like I want him as my assignment he's how I can showcase what I can do yep 
the key thing for that though is Jordan Warrior is still just finding ways to score and to do the heavy lifting, and it's it's really just pick up right where he left off in Tokyo. Jordan Moore looks good. Jordan Moore can play. Yeah. Um, I think what's more impressive to me, I mean, he we know that he hit, can hit shots at, like, ridiculous angles and degrees and just all that stuff. And, yes, his handle has been a little sloppy, and he's not the most adept passer that's kind of been very uh, clear as day to see. Um, just not very fluid with it and just very uncomfortable. But... To me, the strides I've seen is that he's been able, he's been more willing of a driver and kind of, you know, attacking the paint more and kind of, you know, he has that little push shot that he kind of floats off from, you know, free throw line within. But he's getting into the teeth of the defense and it's not, you know, looking all that bad. I mean, he's he's such a big – It's he's kind of an interesting – body type too because like it's very easy to kind of compare him to Chris and just kind of that kind of score uh, in terms of what the Bucks have in their roster but he is much bigger and really can absorb contact I mean there's some fouls that like granted these are officials that are trying to make the league themselves mm-hmm. but it, it makes it makes the summer league product that much more like just like what the hell are we doing here it's so ugh. Um, but he's legitimately getting clobbered and, you know, they're not calling it and he's still hitting shots like that way. And it's just like that stuff is impressive. And th- that I didn't necessarily see that last year, granted, on 274 minutes or whatever it was and played one game in the G League bubble before spraining his ankle. Um, so there's stuff like that that I, I've been really impressed with in terms of diving into his scoring ability. Um, yeah, it's not going to be efficient. Um, I, it's not, it's summer league. There's a lot of there's some players that are just not going to sniff the NBA level. We have to be very clear about that, and it makes it harder for guys like Wara, Sandman, Yorgi, De- like the top the players that you have an interest in seeing. Like where are they in their development, all that stuff. It just makes it that much harder. But um, yeah, between what we saw in the Olympics and what we've seen. So far in Vegas, it's hard not to be encouraged by what war where war is at, and maybe, just maybe, if he does get you know fight for minutes in the rotation come you know regular season. Key player for war is going to be Rodney Hood, because they're kind of the same player <laughs> in very different stages of their career with very different question marks over you know the reasons why they may or may not be good next season, but. If one of those guys hits and can play at a real level, big deal for the Bucks and something very, very different to what they've had, not just in the last year, but the last few years on the roster. It's just a, a real kind of aggressive, dynamic bench score. It is not going to be the place you're going to be going to for efficiency. But someone with some size and some length who can shoot from deep, who will drive inside, it is like a, you kind of touch on it there, but it's... It's being crowded and feeling a lot of pressure... And still showing some kind of touch and finishing. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. It's like when he can't get to the rim being like, okay, I've got a short jumper here. Or, you know, I have kind of a, a half a floater kind of shot that's going to get me. You know, he just, there's some scoring feel there where it's like, once he gets to a certain position, it's like, okay, well, if you're not going to let me get there, I have this shot. Which is 
very, very intriguing and very, very encouraging for, for his kind of development of the books. There's nothing new so far. I'm curious to see what happens as it continues to go on. What I really hope is that he doesn't get pulled, like, at some point where they're like, okay, he's too good for this. I say, like, he didn't play most of last season. I know he's at the Olympics, but I say let him keep playing. And particularly if he's going to help your team be good and competitive, if the Bucks could get into the tournament rounds and have a bit of a run where you're playing against better players, better teams, the stakes are increasing, albeit in a relative sense. This is a guy who was part of an actual roster who just won a championship. So he's probably not going to feel the same way about a summer league championship run that some of the other guys in the roster would. But I would like to see if they continue to progress. I want to see him around. I don't, I don't think there's a reason to do the thing the teams do, which is be like, okay, well, we've got to this point. You've done your bit. We know how good you are. We're kind of wrapping you up and keeping you, you safe for the new season. It's like there's lots of time. And he had lots of time mm-hmm. where he was sitting on the sidelines last year, and he's the kind of player who definitely would have been hurt by not having a, a real G League season. So make the most of this opportunity. And particularly in such a tight time frame off the back of the Olympics, like he's getting a lot of run against very different types of different types of players, different types of coaching, different rules, different types of officiating that I think are all going to serve him really well. He's being the guy in all of these situations and he's dealing with what comes with that on the court. He's rarely going to have to deal with that pressure in Milwaukee but I, I don't think it's going to hurt him in any way to see that. I think it could be a big summer for his development. Like, we're kind of... The thing that we talk about is what we're seeing from him already. But what might we be seeing from him after he comes through, say, a full summer league, and he's done the Olympics, and he's like, okay, I'm at this level now, but these are the things I want to work at between now and the start of the season. I know all of that's more condensed than ever, but what we're actually watching in real time is his opportunities to get better again. So the player that could be a part of a rotation on opening night or into next season isn't necessarily the player we're seeing now. That could be a better player if he uses this opportunity and the books trust him to keep doing it. So that's the one thing for me is that you see a guy in summer league and he averages 26 a game through the first two games. Straight away, I'm like, hmm, he just may not be long for summer league here. I hope that's not the case. I think there's value to the books letting him to play through these games. Same here. Uh, Mamadi Diakite. I'll be honest, this is not popular. Everyone loves Diakite, has for a long time. I've just, I don't see it and I've missed it. I admit, whatever got everyone excited, I missed it. May have been during my sabbatical. In fact, I think it was. It definitely was. And anything I've ever seen since, I don't get. I don't get him as a player in terms of his physical tools. I just don't know how this works out. And I've not been remotely encouraged by what I've seen, I would say, in two games so far. But he he managed to get ejected for a flag of two against the Nets, which is quite an achievement at Summer League. But I, I want to try and have a... Well, it's going to depend how you feel about him. But a, a more just kind of an open dialogue without me just being like, I don't think this player is good. Because I'm clearly missing something that some other people are seeing. So... What do you think Diakite is? Like, I, I just don't get it. What is he as a prospect, as someone that if the books are going to keep the roster as is or add in different spots, like someone who may be called upon for some actual minutes at the four or five at some point next season? Like, what, what does he do? 
where are you seeing his value to the books? Where are you seeing his career progressing as a professional? To be fair, the reason why um, people were excited and like what he showed with the Magic, in, I think it was eight games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, G League champion Magic, I should say. A reigning G League champion. He's a double champ. Exactly. He's go- going for, for the hat trick. Um, well, he's got triple. He's with Virginia, too. Okay, he's going for four. So, <laughs> um, we haven't seen that. Four has never been done before. Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but the reason why people were excited and like what we saw from him, we haven't seen since then. <laughs> I'd rather say, like, you know. It was a my fault, Jordan. I came back to help deliver the books of championship, but the <laughs> downside was. DKT has lost his powers. No, I just think. I think it's very. There's like a clear outline. I and probably what the Bucks have saw in him when they signed him to a two-way deal ten months ago, nine months ago, whatever it's the number is. Um, and obviously, there's more to his skill and development that I think a lot of people thought. You know, you, you just see him as like, well, he can be the kind of stretchy switchable defender that or stretch stretch the floor switchable defender that the Bucks have wanted out of a center. Whether that's been Rolo or, you know, Bobby Portis has his limitations, but he's certainly suited well enough that the Bucks <laughs> won a championship with him with those limitations. Um the problem that I have is that Dikite doesn't want to be it's that he's, you know, the first game we saw a lot of shots from him, a lot. And it's like, I don't think that's what you are. I don't think that's what you necessarily need to succeed. And you need more of kind of. It's the actually combo. the key difference and the player that's making me think about it more is Manu Kalashvili. Yes. Who, yes. Is, who is not doing too much of anything. Like, he's not just like, this is summer league, I can ball out, I can show what I do. Against the Clippers, he attempted eight shots. Against the Nets, he attempted six shots. He played 58 minutes in total between those two games. The Akita has played 41 minutes and has matched his shot. So, actually, exceeded it. He's 5 of 16 so far. Like, that is kind of the thing, right? Yeah. I just think... It's not even just, you know, putting up shots or stuff like that. I mean, it's certainly everybody's going to put up shots. But he wants the ball in his hands and he wants to go coast to coast. And it is like he showed that with the Magic and it was interesting. I mean, we saw him go, like, do stuff like that. We saw – I'm not saying he's to this degree of a player, but we that's what made Christian Wood a very tantalizing talent when he was with the Bucks and well before that. But there's just things that it's just like I think someone I'm trying to remember who said this, but like when you're looking at a, a player like a two way player or players that are playing the G League, it's a matter of like what skills do they have and kind of exceeding expectations for that. When it comes to like projecting how they fit in the NBA level, it's like all those. It's it's kind of like how we talked about Sandman draft night and like how does that equip himself? into 
playing with the Bucks if he has a role. And it's stuff like that that is just clearly missing with DKT. And, you know, like, I just, I, I just don't, I don't see it in that sense so of like. So, what, what the, on that though, because that's the comparison. So, Mamako Shvili, I get the hook, you know, I get the yes. X factor. It's like, there are multiple things you, you could possibly point to, but first and foremost, you could be like, look at his passing. Look at his passing combined with his size, combined with his mobility. That's different. I can be like, okay, I get that. I get how the best best case version of that works in the NBA. I my problem with Diakite is I see the idea of him as a switchable defender. I don't think he's tall enough or strong enough to be a switchable five, even playing smaller. Like I think there's a lot of fours that could bully him if they really wanted to, and he was playing real NBA minutes against you know real players. So I think that's a problem. And as for the offensive side of the ball, like I just don't think he's got anything. I really don't. Like He, he wants to play this back-to-the-basket game that is really outdated and not in keeping with his style otherwise. Like He's a player who I think there's a lot of parts of his game. The idea of a switchable defender who's not quite like true seven-footer, you know, kind of a tweener, but that works, is so much the way the NBA has moved for players of his size. But on the offensive end, I'm not seeing the same version of that player at all. No. And there's there's kind of a disconnect there. And I, I don't believe enough that the defense, given his his lack of size, I don't think that will translate well enough to make up for the offense. Like, he, he looks small on a summer league court. He doesn't look like a big guy at all. That's a problem. Like, that's a real problem. This is the thing that we've come back to kind of lots of times before. You've got to be able to stand out and kind of impose yourself on the game in some way. I, I think it's really, it's what we, we're seeing Jordan Wara do more than anything. Different position, different type of body type. But it's why he's standing out. And you can be like, okay, well, I can see how he can become a rotation player in the NBA for years to come. It's because he has the ability to just take control of the game. Diakite is the complete opposite. He's blending into the background forcing. of summer league games if he's not forcing it and forcing it is not delivering good results and that concerns me this is a guy on a real roster spot like i, I think that's tough if this was a two-way player and maybe maybe that's what the progression of this could end up being still is that he ends up back on a two-way i, I think it's a different conversation and there's there's more scope for Okay, well, look, he's still. What age is Diakite? Like twenty five, twenty four. Is he? Is he that old? He's, he's an older player. I thought twenty four. Twenty five in January. I thought he was younger, and I was about to. Mm, yeah, what are we? Doing I think here? the thing <laughs> too is that he's not. He's obviously not a you know big center, um, and that's what he is. He is a center. It's you know no ways around it he's also like he's a fluid mover no there's nothing wrong with that obviously but like he's just not when it comes to like switching or like being able to like be mobile like it's one thing to be mobile but it's also one thing to be like quick twitch and like very snap snap reactions and stuff like that and that's just not how he is he's he's very long and lanky and can move around but it's not the chain of like movement is still not like that. It's still very like long strides and very fluid where 
you know the player that's going to mind when you're saying that you probably do because it's just talk I guess it applies to you. Tan, though. Tan having... Yes, yes. I was... Tan was in my head when... The, the yeah. difference, kind of, and when you watch him in Summer League, because Tan had some really good games. Like, again, and that's a guy that we know is imitations, and we know it didn't work. Maybe maybe he can find himself back in the NBA and find something at some point. I don't know. That's a that's probably a tough road at this point. Yeah. But Tan had moments in Summer League where you could see it. Just like he had real moments in the NBA too, playoff moments. It's there isn't that level of kind of fast twitch where you're like, okay, that is athletically, you know, standout enough that I'm buying that this is someone whose defense and athleticism could translate to a level where you're like, okay, they're going to get minutes just because of that. Like Diakito's defense is not there, where that's the thing. And I, I think it's interesting you mentioned Christian Wood because like Christian Wood is kind of supremely talented offensively. And that's all. Oh, that's yeah. Thing. The guy just knows how to score. He knows how to play offense. That's never been a question mark. And it is rare, very rare, to have someone who can play in the way he does because you have to have a full range of skills to do a lot of that. Yakita just isn't close. I mean, there's a lot. He's a very likable guy. I think this is part of it. Like you see him in the books videos, it's it's very hard not to root for him. I have nothing to make me be like, just move him on. Like they could get someone else. I don't care. But from a basketball perspective, that's where I am. It's like I I don't see how this is someone who should have one of those roster spots. I see it a lot clearer with Yorgos as. He's only 22. He's had multiple years in a pro system. That's someone that you're like, okay, maybe he's nothing, but much like Merrill then too, you've got two to three years before he gets to the kind of age that Diakite is at now. If that's what you want to develop and you want to take a risk on that and you feel there's something there, which maybe we didn't even emphasize that enough earlier, but that's my thing with the books, using the pick on him and then giving him this contract more than anything is kind of, I guess they see something, you know? Yeah. I guess they see something, and they will have seen a lot more than I have. They have likely, you know, been to see him countless times in person. They have had scouts in gyms watching him, watching him do stuff, watching him in, I don't know, in warm-ups, in shoot-arounds, if he's not even playing. Like, they, they have more intel, and they have the kind of information on him that we don't. So if they see something and they're doing that, that's kind of fine. With Diki Dado we've seen him too you know we've seen him a bit more not as much not as much as some other guys but there's just a little bit more there i mean a full four years in college right to be that age and i don't know i i just really i i struggle to see the reason why he's someone that you're going to continue to develop given the crunch you're in and given the current makeup of the roster, which I just think is with PJ gone, it's like it would be really good to get another either a real four or a real five and ideally someone who is going to be comfortable enough at both of those spots. Yeah. But at minimum, you need someone who is one of those things in a real way and then you can be like, okay, well... We can work with Bobby between both spots. We can work with Giannis between both spots. But I do think they need another player who is like just legitimately one of those positions. Agreed. 
Okay, other players on the Bucks roster. Is there anyone jumping out to you? Um, Stephen Enoch looked pretty good. Uh, only played against the Nets, right? He didn't play against the Clippers, I don't think. He um, did not play against the Clippers, and he looked really good against the Nets. Yeah, yeah. That that's the other thing. Like that when you compare someone like Enoch to like Diakite, it's like a world that of really energy. hurts Diakite. You're like, yeah. This is a guy with legitimate size and who is able to go and be like, okay, I can defend, I can rebound, I can also... I think yeah, Enoch really. does interesting is that he can shoot. Like, he made a really nice trade. Shot 83% in, um, I think he played in Spain last year. Sorry, 83%? From uh, from three, or uh, from free throw. From, free throw. Well, Good Lord. But still, it looks like that when he's at the free throw line. Yeah. Um... And he just has real size. Like I, I think we talked about this in our, in our amongst ourselves in our, our Eurostep group chat. But it's like, at minimum, he's a guy where you're like, if the herd could get him, like you'd be ecstatic to get him. Someone with real size who can assert himself. Not easy so to find for summer league from the free throw line in college too. Okay, so it's kind of a real thing at this point for him. Only twenty three years old. Um, is twenty four soon, but. Like he he actually looks more of what the books are missing right now than Diakite does, which that does not help Diakite and the appraisal of me. I, I felt that was very painfully obvious. I think they did share the court together briefly in the first half before. And it was right before he got ejected. Right? Yeah, and it it was just it was very obvious the difference between what those two guys were doing, and then what you'd look for them to do. I'm not saying that to say oh yeah the book should sign Enoch, but um. Just as a point of comparison, it was interesting. The only other guy for me um, was Brandon Randolph, who you and Ty spoke a little bit about in our preview. A guy who I guess is going to be back with the herd now. Maybe, maybe he's a. They already have his two-way. rights too. They do have his rights. Maybe he's a two-way contender. I don't think so, but. If you're him, you're probably thinking that way of like, if I can be really yeah. good and show out here, I've got a chance. They clearly, he's in with the organization. They like him enough and they believe in him where it's like, okay, if I go and show out, who knows what's possible. Very inefficient. Um, I think the books bled points when he was on the floor against the Nets. Yeah, the books are minus 15 in his 27 minutes against the Nets. But I do think there is something to him he just there's some sort of again just feel there that in a summer league setting stands out you're like okay this guy knows how to play in a way that a lot of these guys just they're not quite cut out at that same level um we haven't seen uh jamario jones in either games who knows maybe that's related maybe he's, to got, a, maybe he's got a deal somewhere yeah that that was kind of my first instinct um so who knows on that subject but yeah that's kind of where my interesting, you know, uh, non-Bucks roster players have... Well, the other thing is that it, it was noted on the broadcast during the Nets game that the Bucks have, like, openly pledged to just kind of evenly distribute minutes across kind of a lot of these guys. So it's they're not necessarily a team that's like, 
we're trying to win this game as in yeah sure the the team that the lineups that are finishing games are their stronger lineups but there is a a level i think it seems to which they've promised these guys you're all going to play so maybe it's kind of they have games that they've been told oh well this is your game like maybe jamario jones plays next and that's something soon worked through i don't know it's interesting they're taking that approach i guess it doesn't hurt like to get guys to come and agree to play for you and doesn't hurt with agents either to be like we're not just going to take your guy and then not play him at all in summer league (laughs) which is just it's not a good look for anyone all right let's move into the mailbag the first one from mvp 21 am i reading too much into the fact that bud played bryant in the brooklyn series i feel like that means bud must somewhat trust him and like him as a player for him to get playing time in that series just a few weeks after signing you're reading too much into it Especially when we could say that we we have that come in. It's about the other options, though, too. Which is, at that point, Bud didn't have George Hill or Grayson Allen to kind of go to. Or Rodney Hood. Yeah. Like, so that's the tough... Between guards and wings, the picture has got a lot, lot tougher for... Well, not not just Elijah Bryant, but for Jordan Also, Bobby Portis didn't play the last three games that... Like... Yeah, he was he was out of the rotation, so the rotation options were even further reduced. Uh, we both think Bryant is a really good player. Like, I'm I'm not am I speaking too much for you there? Like, I think he's a good, capable I think he's NBA a, player. He's, he's I think shown he to be a decent team. If he's played a meaningful role for again another legendary team in uh, Israel, Maccabi mm-hmm. Tel Aviv, I. I don't know. I just think, I think he's a, he's a decent player. We haven't really. I mean, there's a he his. Whatever it is, whether it's a broken arm or a broken wrist, or whatever he has a you cast. You say Because <laughs> I saw. Well, I saw some questions about this. I know they're coming. It's like there, it's a re, there's a reason why he's not on the roster because he just can't play with them. Yeah, whatever it is, he's got an injury. Jordan's, yeah. you know, Jordan. As I said, he's walking up to people in the street and he's like. He's got a cast on his arm. You, yeah, I'm dressed. Did you, I look did you like hear the news? Elijah Bryant like has a Robin cast Williams in that gif where he's like bearded up. <laughs> what year is it or whatever it is? Um, yeah, like I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm not I, gonna look. I, I just think it's it's very tough for him in terms of the yes, moves the books have clearly. made. He came in because that was their greatest area of weakness. He is a player that clearly they were impressed by two years ago and there was last the summer league and he was incredible and they couldn't get a deal done and demand for him was high and he decided to go the route he did and he got good paydays back in Israel and I think that's just kind of maybe why he came along it's like how can we improve the roster who's someone we could take a flyer on like at that point they don't know that one they're going to win a championship two that free agency is going to pan out the way it did and um, that you're going to make a trade and get a Grayson Allen. Like, it's just kind of from being a player who could contribute at one of their, not one of, the greatest area of weakness on their roster. They now are maybe strongest at those spots. Like, they've got serious depth. So the world is kind of flips, flipped upside down for him and the, the path to minutes. So... I don't necessarily know if his future is going to be a reflection of what the books think of him as much as just the situation they're in. 
uh, he to me I don't think he may have to do this um he might be a guy that if the books wave him it could be worth his while sticking with the herd because I think he could look really good in the G League and get right back with an NBA team in a hurry if that doesn't even happen sooner than that like if he has reached the point where he's like I would like to try to make it in the NBA I think it wouldn't take him very long to find another team to catch on and he could be a guy that books fans are like oh look he's now a rotation player for team X I, I don't think that's up for debate. Like I, it, Bud liking him is reflective of the kind of player he is to me. He is yeah. a player who's just very kind of well-rounded in terms of his skill set, seems very competent. He's a player a coach is going to like and is going to have some level of trust in. So it didn't shock me at the time. If he stays in the roster, I'd kind of be like, good for him and he's a good, useful player. I don't know if that would be the best use of a roster spot for the books at this point. But I, it's that's not really a reflection on him. From at Rusbrick forty four, it's twenty seventeen. You are the new GM. Giannis is under contract for twenty two point four million. Middleton is under contract for fourteen point one million, and Brogdon is under contract for one point three million. You have all of your future draft picks in the twenty seventeen seventeen pick. By twenty twenty one, do you have a better team than this current roster? You, there... Yeah, you, Jordan. I'm asking you. <laughs> Wait, what? Is there a question? Yeah. So if you took over, you weren't listening. If you took no. over in 2017 and you had the book situation where it was, yeah. So Jan- Giannis under contract for 22.4 million, Middleton under contract for 14.1 million, Brogdon under contract for 1.3 million. You have all of your future draft picks and the 2017-17 pick. By 2021, so right now, do you think you would have a better team than the current roster? No. No, I I don't think so either. I would take my chances of having had some better teams in the interim. Like, I'm I'm not saying that in a serious way, but... Uh, there's a difference between the books having got to this spot by making all of the right moves and them now being in a good place with the roster now that they're in this spot. Like the draft pick situation in particular is, is tough as we all know. Um, I definitely would have done things differently. Like that's, there's no, no bones about that. No secret to be made. Brogdon being one of the names listed I would have done that differently. I think you would have done that differently, Jordan. Although, it's probably something that how much Horst had, you know, decision making in that process is kind of debatable because of what it would have done for tax at that point. Like, whether he was really left with the option other than to trade him and try to get something back is debatable. Um,. The Bucks roster right now is very good. It's the path to the Bucks roster continuing to be very good. That is a little concerning. And that's down to some of the misfires along the way. But they had a roster that, you know, it was technically a championship caliber roster last season. They literally won a championship. And I think this year's is better overall. Not without weaknesses, but I think better overall at this point. So, no, I think this is a really good roster. 
But this roster, are, it also comes about because you just won a championship. Like, I think you get George Hill to overlook some stuff because you just won a championship. You get Bobby Portis back at a deal that he wouldn't have been giving you any this summer. You get Rodney Hood. Like, there's a lot there that's just kind of part of that. And even before that, you were already... That was a good time to take over the books for as much as that process, that hiring process, did not go swimmingly. That was right around the time where things were really bad given what the books had at their disposal. And there was a lot of room for improvement. Like, it could only go up from there in a lot of ways. And it has. And there's been some very good decision-making along the way. Some that hasn't been as good. But on balance, I think it's it's clear. Like, clear positive. That goes without saying, right? It's, it's obvious. They won the championship. Mm-hmm. From a Rusbrick 44 again, how many minutes do you see for, for war in the regular season? Not a lot. <laughs> um, we've got, I, mean, I, don't this, know if, I don't know if you've seen, we've got some, well, I don't, I don't know if news is the right way. But, but yeah, I saw it. Bud's going to be on the low post. I cannot wait. Yeah, no, I cannot wait for. I cannot a lot of wait. I cannot wait. I hope it's like an hour long. Finally, he talks about the freaking bucks. Good lord! <laughs> uh. Wow. Well, I just I, whatever. I, I what? You're not on board with the the are the Nets the clear favorite talk? You're not. I want to hear the, more. That's about... the question. I want to hear more about There's Russell Westbrook's trade to Los Angeles and how they could all fit together. Stephen A. got to talk about his favorite cities again. Anyway. Yeah, I, I want to hear more about the next two. <laughs> really want to hear more. Good God. How how many minutes do you see for Jordan War in the regular season? Does he play more than 274 minutes? Total minutes? I say yes. I say yes too, but I don't think it's that much more. Mora. Wow. <laughs> um, it's gonna depend. It's gonna depend on Rodney Hood. That's that's my answer. Is Rodney Hood? I know. I guess to a lesser extent than Dante too. Like, there's just question marks that are largely health related across the wing positions and even into the backcourt with this team that you're like across those three spots, what way are players going to slot in? What, uh, what position is Pat going to be getting his minutes? He's going to be getting his minutes somewhere. Like there's going to be a trickle down effect based on when Dante comes back, uh, how Grayson Allen has played before that. If there is a before that, um, how George Hill is playing just, just the whole positions one, true tree I think are going to be very very kind of interconnected in terms of depth is is Hood in that mix is Hood going to be a four as the roster stands right now I feel like they might like have no position choice, yeah no I no. don't I, I think I think semi either, I, well yeah that's true I was I was forgetting yeah I was forgetting semi okay okay there's still there's gonna be some minutes though. If like if the Akita is still there, this is the way you're going. I think you're looking at Hood or Connaughton playing some four. 
Chris. They're, they're the two guys. Chris, too, I guess. Um, from uh, David Dunn 21. More improbable. The Bucks winning four of five versus Brooklyn and four straight in the finals. Or Ty getting a quote in the Yannis. <laughs> Uh, it's the first one. It's the Bucks yeah. winning four or five versus Brooklyn and four straight in the finals. Listen, big time tie. <laughs> Never underestimate him. There was no way he wasn't going to get a quote. Uh, Marin did, uh, to be fair, in the episode she was on, she mentioned the tie was, if not first the person. first. Well, it was the first, wasn't it? Yeah. I was going to say one of to head you, but he was the first person that she reached out to when she took this project on. Ty is just, you know, he's a next level networker. He's everywhere. All the people know Ty. So that is that is not improbable. It's not surprising. I must say, I actually I haven't had a chance to say this to him yet. So this is the best way to have a conversation. We'll have a delayed conversation. He'll listen to this. I know he'll laugh. Um, and then he'll probably call me out on his own podcast for it. I had to laugh at you know, since everyone's sharing their favorite passage of the Annas book, that Ty shared his, and of course, it was the party was quoted in. <laughs> of course, big time Ty. Now, was he sharing it, Jordan, because it was, you know, this iconic Giannis moment involving LeBron and Giannis kind of crowning himself? Maybe that was it. Who can say? Was it that, or was it because it was Ty himself being quoted? I don't know. But I, I did love that. But Having well, read the book, it was, it is cool to see all these people. I mean, granted, it's people I haven't necessarily met in person, but have talked to on Twitter. It's Twitter names, names, right? You're, exactly. You're just it's going like, it and you're I know like, who yeah. that is. Yeah. yeah. It's stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's, you know, connecting the dots and all that stuff. So it, that's what is another perk of all this. And obviously, seeing Ty's name in it too was like, oh, that's really cool. Then getting the shout out and the notes too. So yeah, I, that's, by Giannis, the improbable rise, semicolon, the improbable rise of an MVP. <laughs> yeah, just, we're going to talk about that book a little bit more in the mailbag, and we will be talking about it more in the weeks to come. Um, from an MK Robert, who's gone Bryant or Tenassus? There's someone who's missing from this question that I think even based on our conversation earlier needs to be in it, which is the Akita. Yep. If I had my way, Bryant or the Akita would be gone. And Tanasis would get one of those spots. I think they eventually both are, will be. Yeah, well, I think that's the way to go. Tanasis will get one of those spots, and I do think you try to find a big. Or possibly the way they go is they'll just leave that spot open. Well, the other thing, too, is that they don't necessarily have to make these decisions until... Until training camp. Or, no, no. December 15th. For both, I should say. December 15th? Yeah. Because they're non, it doesn't well, guarantee until then. Well, Tanasis, for example, isn't on the roster right now. So they have a full roster. So they've got to make some decisions before that. Oh, yeah. But. I mean, yeah, they, Jordan, they're making decisions before that. Oh, I know. I know. It's going to be know what you're saying, as in yeah. the guarantee dates for those guys. But that's not how that's going to play out. Um, Fran MK, Robert again. Can you see any reason uh, Jorgis got a deal over Mamu? We went through that one earlier. It's they were in a position where they could give Mamu a two-way deal, and they couldn't give Yorgos that. So yeah, 
they want both guys, and that decision was made up for them in terms of how you could do that. So that's that's a pretty simple one. I, I don't think it's a reflection. Like, clearly they... I mean, they had their preference. There was not a whole lot between where those guys were picked. They picked Sandman first. That's the guy they picked first. So it's not like they don't value him or they, they value him more or less. It's just kind of how this played out. I think they obviously like both guys. That's the the thing to keep in mind here and the thing to also, kind of watch how it plays out. Because I've seen this angle be, or being taken by some people. If Say they see him out through the you know their two-way deal. It's two years. Granted, it's not guaranteed so they can cut bay with him anytime. But say if he's productive and all that stuff, it's basically they have more control over what they can give him for longer mm-hmm. so he can stay. It's not the case of War and how his minimum deal was set up last year because they thought they were getting Bogdanovich. Or how this is with uh, Yorgi, where, yeah, they have him for three years, but it's very – they protected themselves in a way where if it doesn't – if he gets hurt or doesn't perform the way that they hope. Yeah, if he's there for three years, he's really worked out is the way that contract's structured. Exactly, and it's – yeah, it's no different from Sandman, but they they still have the ability to convert his 2A contract into a standard deal, just like how we saw with them do with Dikite. So, like, I don't – I don't know. It's just weird kind of how people have taken that, like, well, Sandman deserves an NBA spot. Maybe that is true. And maybe it happens. Yeah, and maybe it happens. But the Bucks also – did a smart thing with it where they can develop him. And if he looks like an NBA player, they have more ability to sign him to a, a deal that can go up to four. Like it's, just, it that's, I don't know. It's weird how that's kind of being framed in that sense. There's no downside to it right now. It's like the downside ends when he, once he's prepared to agree to it, which he was. So if he's happy to sign a two way deal, that's where the downside ends. It's like, if he's really good and you're like, no, we don't want any day limits on how how we can use him, when he can play, when he can be with the team, We then you convert his deal, you wave someone else, you work that out at the time. It's there's There isn't the downside to it, really, um, once he's content to take the deal, which he was. Obviously, he's been drafted, he wants to be with this team and go on the journey. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, from at... Classical Ibtai. That's hard to read. This is from Tyler. Tyler might have changed his handle because I don't know if I've read that before and Tyler has definitely sent me all questions. If we were to look at another big tobacco brook, who is left that's at least interesting? I'm going to sound like a broken record. Do you have do you have any other names just to stop me from I don't even know who's a free agent at this point. I didn't even realize um what's his name? I don't know, uh, you tell me. Reggie Jackson signed with the Clippers. I thought he was still a free agent, so when I was watching that game after the fact, I was like, Oh, they still haven't followed or they still haven't signed him, but he's seeing people. It's like, Oh wait, no, he signed, he signed whatever it was. Ago, yeah. yeah, it's like, okay. I am uh clearly out of it. Well um, m- my answer is still Paul Millsap. It's kind of strange that uh, he's not signed with anyone. He's working out hard. He's in. Um, he's at the peak facility in Atlanta. You know, place that plenty of uh, people Bud's familiar with have have worked their way through and spent their off seasons over the years. I'm sure there's a market for him. 
and there will be a minimum market without question. So I guess that's the thing, which is if he's not getting better offers than that, he's probably not in a hurry. There's probably a, a certain length of time if you're a player like that where you wait it out and you're like, okay, let's just see if someone comes with a little bit more. And then when you're confident that's dried up, it's then a matter of, okay, let's let's just pick from the options that are undoubtedly there. Anyone else? I'm try I'm looking through hoops types. Uh, it's getting free. grim. It's it's I don't I don't have a strong opinion about anybody at this point. <laughs> That's John where I'm like kind John of like, Hansen. <laughs> besides John Hanson <laughs> Um That that tweet deserves a contract, I'm just saying. That's true. Flex players have been signed for uh, less, uh, <laughs> for less merit. For less, and also for more. Yeah, um, signed for more for less. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. There's, there's not, not really a whole. There's not a whole lot there. There's not a whole lot there. I I think if it's not someone on the, someone like Millsap on that kind of end of the age scale and that kind of profile you're looking at much rawer kind of players and it's maybe you find someone from overseas. Maybe it's someone who has been to G league. Maybe it's someone who has a really strong summer league and not necessarily even with the books, but I, I think that's the kind of situation you'd find yourself in. Um, if not that, but I, I still feel very strongly. They need someone like they, they need yeah. someone that they feel like there can be some minutes for between the four and the five, and I would lean towards a, a more traditional backup center for the most part, unless you can get someone like Millsap, where it's just like, okay, well, the skill level, the experience, all of that is so obvious where that's what you go for. From at Costanzo, from at Costanzoli, even, um, what's War is sealing this upcoming season and in his career? Two-parter. This season, I mean, his ceiling is that he's like an eight or ninth man come the playoffs. Like, that's his ceiling, but there's a lot would have to go right for him, and we'd have to see a lot more improvement for that to be the case. In his career, I mean, he could be a, a good starting wing who, on a, on a decent team, could average maybe in the 14-15 point range. Like, I... I as much as he's put up big numbers at the Olympics and big numbers at Summer League, I'm not ready to be like, you know what, just in the right place. He's a 25-point-per-game NBA. I don't think that's the case yeah, at all. But I do think he could be, I don't know, like a kind of score in the way, say, that Gary Harris was with the Nuggets before they moved him. You know, that kind of where it's like, you're not even, you're not second, third option or anything, but you can... You can offer something. I know it's weird to talk with Gary Harris from a scoring perspective. First, of I was going to say I don't want to. But that's that's the kind of player, just in terms of a role with a team, and there is ability to put up some points that comes to mind. Not talking about that as a style uh, comparison. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know what he could be ceiling wise. Um. 
Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I've never really given thought to it. I'll, other than just saying, if he's good, the Bucks aren't going to have him. <laughs> Be in calling the Alex English of, of this Bucks era. Like, that's all I've said about it. Maybe he's out. I'm not saying he's Alex English. I'm not going to say that. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think as far as the season, yeah, he's eighth or ninth man. He's actually sniffing for minutes rather than, you know, just being relegated to uh, mop of duty if there's if games are out of results are out of hand either way. Um, I think that's probably where I have it. From an SP Snyder, can you break down uh, Euro's contract? Are we still able to sign Tanasis without having to cut anybody? The answer to the second part of that is no. Well, I mean, technically, yes, because you can have more than 15 guys signed up until he is two way eligible as well. Because he has only three years of NBA service, not saying that that's what they uh, will do. Just throwing they definitely won't. But yeah, you are right. Um, the contract, the actual breakdown. Uh, Keith Smith reported the numbers, so it's nine hundred twenty-five k for this season, one point five million for next season, one point eight million the season after that. Guaranteed for half of that this year. Um, the following season, half of it again becomes guaranteed on the twenty-fifth of August. And none guaranteed for the entirety of the 23-24 season. So that is the literal breakdown of the contract. He got it because they bought him out. They couldn't give him a two-way. That's the sort of deal they did. They wanted to. This is what the reporting has been. They wanted to give him a third year. And that is why they used part of the taxpayer mid-level exception. Otherwise, he could have just been signed to a two-year vet minimum deal or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. so they wanted to do that. So they used part of it, but they didn't really, they actually use very little, but that's how they chose to just designate the funds to have the option to give an extra year. And considering that third year is completely non-guaranteed the whole way through, like that's just the covering themselves third year. There's no benefit to him having that third year. Um, but it could work nicely for the books if he becomes something. I think that's the breakdown on his contract. Yeah. Um, I'll, you know, get ready, Jordan. Again, from SP Snyder, are you surprised Elijah Bright is not on the Summer League team? Armcast. And the second part of the question, is it a sign of Bud liking him or a sign he will get cut? I mean, we touched on that with the earlier question. I'm interested that the Bud liking him narrative... Um seems to be out there i i don't know if we've got enough to go with that yet i mean if bud goes on the low post and he talks for 40 minutes about elijah bryant (laughs) between you hearing this well maybe maybe don't listen to anything we've said because he might be good to stay on the roster i don't think that's what will happen um his contract type like kind of leads him odds on to be cut like that's yeah that's just how the reality of this works. If you're on that There's deal no difference and the books are Dragon Bender or um What about Dragon Bender? He could come back. I like I liked the Dragon Bender, Jordan. Ugh. Weird player again. Yeah. I think there's yeah. Um, did someone did someone else make that case? Your no. face contorted there in a way that's interesting. Maybe you need to I don't think he's done well since going back internationally he's just missing the books yeah it's homesick from uh, uh, you, <laughs> oh you have something no 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 
Okay. From uh, Ewing and Oz, what is the likely logic behind the Kotsikas contract? We've broken that down. Like, it's decision was made for them. They like him, is the logic. Like, that's why they're signing him. And the actual terms of the deal is more kind of um, mandated to them by the CBA rules, with the exception of they wanted to have an option of a third year. So they used the TPMLE to have the option to give him that. From a Taylor Desch, is it realistic that Mamu becomes a starting stretch five, like Brook, but with less defense as Brook slowly phased out? I want, with all of my being, Taylor, to say yes here. I don't believe right now it is. No. Um, I'm having a hard time imagining him as a five at all. That's what I would like him to be. That is the the most interesting way I think his skills could be optimized is if he becomes a playable center. But physically, I think he's a long way from that right now. So, no, that's definitely... It's a stretch to imagine him as a starting stretch five. But I'm very much down for him to prove me wrong on that over the next year and beyond. And lastly, from at Ewing and Oz, the J-Kid stories from the Giannis book. Example, the one about Larry Sanders, the brutal Christmas Eve where he cancelled all family plans. Isolated and overhyped episodes to sell a book? Question mark Or indicators of what life was like? Question mark. Just in case anyone didn't get the intonations of my voice. Uh, then, and this is Ewing and Oz again, I was so focused on X's and O's, I don't recall much. <laughs> Couple of things. Uh. Couple of things. Uh, isolated and overhyped episodes to sell a book, I'm going to say no. No. Uh, Mirren's reporting, just generally, is very meticulous. And I think people who've been kind of following the publicity of this book, there has already been kind of examples where Miriam has spoken about, you know, things that may or may not have made the book, stories that would have been cut because basically she wasn't happy enough that, you know, there was enough concrete, there was enough people willing to go on record to stand behind it as, you know, well, I'm going to report this in spite of the fact that most signs pointed to being true um and also kind of leading into that I, I should also i'll add again we are gonna as ty has already said like this is we are gonna have Miran on the podcast with the four of us in a couple of weeks we're gonna do a book club we are gonna we're gonna talk through a lot of stuff i think i know some i wonder what's gonna we... come up <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what kind of questions we might have for Miran about the process of this book but we will do that. So if you haven't read the book yet or if you're reading it, planning, whatever, make sure you you know, get down to it because we, we will have an episode um, talking through a lot of that with her in around a couple of weeks. Um, but for the second part of this, the indicators of what life was like question. Absolutely. Yes. Just it's not just the book. It's Johnny O'Brien talking on the Eurostep. What? Yes. eighteen months ago, if even that, well, if not longer. Um, there's been a lot of weird stuff. Like if you didn't notice it, now like people focus on the trapping and all that stuff. Jordan, I get so worked up when I we just know, have to talk I'm about this. About it it right like, now. My heart just starts to beat faster. Like, this is something I'm sure that will go up when we talked to Mirren about some of these details. It's just, it's... 
for those who weren't, or I, I do, I do think there's one natural thing, which is time has passed, and the books are now NBA champions, and they've had a lot of good stuff since. So there's a lot of people who are like, either they've erased it from their memory, or there's even a sense of, was it really that bad? You know, in hindsight, was it really that bad? The answer to it is yes. It's a resounding yes. I deeply, deeply appreciate that this book is kind of bringing that to the fore again and hopefully in a way that will just stick in people's memory because it was like there may not have been anything to the extent of what we're seeing like like the larry sanders story and we won't go into we'll go into detail this at a later date because it is out there but i don't want to spoil stuff like if people haven't got the book yet haven't read the book there's things if they haven't seen the tweet although the tweet did go very viral that's the kind of you know jason kidd behavior we're talking about here but there were smaller reports at the time that spoke to behavior that is completely in line with what's characterized in the book Mm -hmm. and outside of reports and the thing that i can speak to and the thing that if you want to go back and listen to every episode of this podcast that we've ever done there are some classics and i i know there are some classics where like Jordan and I would just spend an hour breaking down the manner in which he was speaking to reporters. Oh yeah, like I was trying to find the when he goes off on the suck him in, suck him in. That was on Charles Gard. Yeah, would I lie? Yeah, which is honestly to have um, to have run a books blog during that time, and I have said this before, and people are probably like, yeah, whatever, man. But today, today, to be like. Okay, what am I, what are we writing about? What do we need to cover today? And part of that being, you're like, what has Jason Kidd said now? What is he doing? How is he talking to people? That was not a good time. And it was not good with how he came into the books. Like, the red flags were there. And it was no better when he was there. No better. It, it was really... It just makes you wonder, how, you know, how does Jason Kidd become Jason Kidd, you know? I don't know, Jordan. I Those really... Choices. I don't made. know what what are the moments in his life that lead to that. I do not know, Jordan. Um, I I also don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> so yes, yes is the answer. Um, was that what life was like back then? It was. The other things that come to mind is like the. There are multiple instances, the Jabari benchings, the MCW benchings. Remember when Brogdon was uh, was like pulled to the bench, or did he start that game on the bench? And we actually had him on the shoulder like, shrug. We had it in being like asked, like, why why are you benched? And he's like shrugging his shoulders. I've no idea. <laughs> People, if you weren't there, you don't know. You don't know what it was like. Fire Bud! Fire Bud! People were getting angry about Bud. We used to, uh, the real thing, we used to just die for a day where it, like, could only be basketball stuff that got us angry. Like, Kid certainly delivered on that front with his defense towards the back end of it in particular. But there was a lot more than that. It was not a pleasant time. It was not a very savory time. I think some of the only saving graces were the guys he brought in who he knew. And even some of those, like, think of Kenyon Martin... He burned those bridges. Kenya Martin was not pleased with how that worked out and how it went on the way out. But it's someone like Jet. I think Jet did a lot to keep that together. Yep. Um, someone like Jared Dudley, although 
that there's conversations we had about all of that at a different time and we will have them that was the last question it just what a what a perfect thing to come up jordan what a perfect moment to round out this episode more more in the future on jason kidd and the books but yep. not as much as, as we've left in the past but most importantly more in yep. the future but never as much as we've all already had to go through that's Dallas's problem now. Yes. <laughs> any any final thoughts on anything, Jordan? No. It's for the best. <laughs> we'll be back with you all very soon. We will um, we'll keep going with Summer League. I'm sure we'll come back and revisit that. And Ty and Rohan have some plans. We have some plans. There'll be more stuff coming your way very soon. Don't worry about that. To make sure you catch it, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Eurostep Podcast Network. It's where you get Win in Six, it's where you get the Eurostep. It's where you get your best books content out there, if you ask me, Jordan. Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.